Hello, everyone, and greetings in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's good to be here today. Welcome to Andrew Unabated. I'm your host, Andrew Coleman, and I took a little break, just had to tackle a few things, and time was um, pretty tight, so I had to make some cuts and whatnot, but it also was a benefit, too, because it allowed me to put some more things together and um, study a little more than I was, which is good for me. Um, it's good for uh, my development as well, because that's the whole point. Um, not that I wasn't studying, it's just um, with a little more time, it was more. It was a little easier to focus and uh, tackle some things on the side. But yeah, lots of stuff going on. But today we're going to cover um, Abraham and God's people. That's the topic for today. This is a really interesting topic. Of course, there's a lot of topics in the Bible that are really interesting. And you know how they they weave together and stuff. So um, I think I've said that before. But uh, anyhow, we're going to start with Genesis 12. And uh, before we jump in, though, if you're familiar with the Bible, um, you're aware of the patriarchs. Um, of course, it started with Adam. Um, he populated the earth, him and Adam, Adam and Eve. They replenished the earth, is what the Bible says. And then... Of course, they uh, ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then we had, you know, the punishment was death. Um, and then, of course, lots of sin abounded. And by the time of Noah, God had decided that it was in the best interest of um, truth and righteousness and the war between God and the devil, heaven and hell, if you would. Well, Satan's not in charge of hell, but yeah. Um, basically, because of the war that was going on, God decided he's going to take Noah, take his family, because they were righteous before him, and uh, everyone else, everything else, was going to get destroyed. So then you have the great worldwide flood, which covered the face of the earth, Um of course, God promised not to do that again. After that, Noah and his family repopulated the earth. And then, um, apparently, man once again just fell away from God. Because at this point, everyone born on the face of the earth of Adam's family, they were automatically given the second birth spoken of in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. So, from the very get-go... You have that, uh, the old commission, the first commission to marry, to have children, to multiply, to take dominion of the earth. And that same thing was told to Noah and his posterity. Um, but again, once again, you know, after Noah's time, when man repopulated the earth and stuff, they, they were doing their own thing. They, they disregarded God. And instead of a flood, we have something else that happened. And it starts in Genesis 12. And we read, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, pardon me, Abram, He says, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God singled out Abram and 
separated him from his kin. And as we'll see here in a few uh, minutes, it wasn't just his kin. God made a selection here, just like God picked Noah. And if you read into uh, <clears throat> Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, there's another great man of God named Moses, who almost was selected to be a patriarch. He would have been the third one. But Moses stood in the gap and prayed for Israel that God wouldn't destroy them. But God, but God uh, listened to Moses in his prayer and uh, forgave Israel. But um, God actually says in, in his word that he intended for Moses. Um, he was thinking about having Moses become that third patriarch and start a new nation, just like he told Abram. But Moses, like I said, he just, uh, you can read that. I don't know, I don't recall exactly the exact um, uh, place in Scripture where that is, but it's somewhere in, in the Pentateuch from uh, Exodus to Deuteronomy. Uh, might want to shoot for Exodus for that one. Um, but yeah, Abram was separated from the rest of man. And as we'll see, that there's a big thing going on here, and it's just not understood. Took I I've been through the Bible a lot, and I still didn't pick up on some of the stuff in this in this study. But um, let's hop over to Genesis 17, <clears throat> verse three. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, verse four, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. And thou shalt be a father of many nations. And then verse 5. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Verse 6. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And verse 7. And I will establish my covenant with my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. So God's covenant was made with Abram. And you might have heard these verses before in church, but in the in the New Testament, Abraham's name comes up several times in um, Romans and Galatians. Um, Abraham's faith, the seed, Abraham's seed, which was promised, through Isaac, um, points to Christ. Christ is the seed. And so anyone born again who believes in Jesus Christ, who's baptized into Christ, meaning they're baptized into his death, making them dead to sin, but alive unto God through in righteousness, um, they are Abraham's real seed because that's the everlasting promise. Obviously, Abraham died. All of his children died. So, um, you know, death still existed, but the promise was of that world to come. And uh, in Revelation, I believe it's 21.1, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So these are all, these, all these things are tied together. God is eternal. His promises are eternal. We are temporal. We die. But if God gives us the second birth, we live forever. Whether that's forever in the kingdom of God or forever in everlasting death, that's up to us for those who are saved, for those who are given the second birth, you know, to decide, are you going to obey sin and self or are you going to obey God's word and righteousness? 
and this is all in the Bible. I'm just I'm just uh, bringing this stuff together, and um, trying to tackle several things as I go along. Uh, like I said, you will find if you study the Bible, all these topics weave in and out of each other. It's really really difficult to just take one thing, set it down on a piece of paper, and talk about it, because the Bible is a massive book that talks about a lot of different stuff, and it's up to us saints to be diligent and get in there and study it. <clears throat> so Abraham separated from his kin and God made a makes a covenant with him. Let's go over to Deuteronomy 7:6 just to get an idea of how separate Abram was made from the rest of Adam, the families of Adam on the face of the earth. There's a difference made between Abram and the rest of man. And these are these are verses, this verse right here is about Abraham's descendants because Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. And this verse is about Jacob who inherited that promise uh, from Abraham and God that God made to Abraham. All right, so verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 7 says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. So there we read, chosen of God, holy people, special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The, yes, very plain right there for us to, to gather that God's people are different. How are they different? By fiat, literally, by God's word. God chose it to be that way. And it's right there in his word, which will stand forever. Let's turn to Amos 3, 2. Amos is a prophet. This book of Amos here. I'm going to pass Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. I'm going to pass Joel. And right after Joel is Amos. Chapter 3, verse 2. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. So there's a couple things we gather in there. God's only known his people. Therefore, that's kind of like, if you were to take the word therefore, that's basically saying, this is why. This is what it's there for. Okay? So therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. God does not punish those whom he does not know. The only people on the face of the earth who get punished by God for their sins are those who are under God's law, those who are attached to God. Those are So that means only God's people are held accountable to God. Those who are not God's people don't know God. God doesn't know them, and he's not concerned with them. He doesn't concern that God if they aren't obeying him and doing his commandments and stuff. No, God was not concerned about the Egyptians or the Canaanites obeying God's laws. He was concerned about Israel, and this is all stuff you can verify in Scripture. So Abram was selected, but the rest of man would be cast off. So how exactly did this happen? Um, we see with Lot that um, Abraham's 
the people that lived alongside Abraham, his contemporaries, they, they still had the second birth, that eternal life, which is a gift from God, uh, which is John uh, 1, verses 12 and 13. We don't pick. We don't pick if we get eternal life or not. God chooses. So that's one of those things that modern uh, Christianity for a long time now has not understood. We don't pick if we're, if we're saved or not. What we decide is if we're going to obey God after he's given us that second birth. So let's go to Genesis 11.27 because we have an interesting character here that we need to figure out. Lot. The Bible calls Lot righteous and just in 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8. So Lot was, was a righteous man. He was a member of the church. He was a Christian. And uh, yes, Christ is the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So believers in the Old Testament who had the second birth, yes, I, I'm redundant there. But yes, Christ, Christian, um, you can call the saints in the Old Testament Christians because Christ was and is and always will be. Um, so with Lot, he was saved. And uh, verse 27 of chapter 11 in Genesis says that uh, says that Lot was the son of Haran, and Haran was the son of Terah, and Terah was Abram's dad and Haran's dad. <laughs> so basically, Lot was Abram's nephew. And uh, Lot traveled with Abraham. <clears throat> so we see from Lot that Abram's contemporaries would retain their eternal life. But the generation following, those children that would be born from Lot's uh, posterity, um, but also everyone who was contemporary with Abraham, the generation following. Second, uh, the second birth was not given to them. That means all those children that were born from uh, the already living in Abraham's day, all the children that were born after this act didn't have that eternal life. Only Abraham's house was given that blessing from God when he made this decision. Um, and we can get, we gather that because um, if God does not know you, in Amos three two, Deuteronomy seven six, if you're not if you're not a holy people unto God, if if you're not given that covenant, then you're not part of the the church. And um, so, and this is all this is all God's uh, part of God's plan and strategy for for the war, because mankind is repeatedly and frequently so. Uh, wicked, and uh, they they disregard, disregarded God for generations. So God let them do what they wanted to do because that's where they wanted to be uh, the whole time. And so, but with Abraham, just like with Noah, God found him faithful, and so God uh, rewarded that faithfulness, if you will, um, and made a uh, covenant with him. This is a big deal, though, really big, because now the rest of the rest of the Bible is um, like a, it's like a sieve. And this this decision right here sends waves throughout the rest of the Bible and the story of the gospel. <clears throat>
So without the second birth, it's impossible to know God. And we're going to cover some verses here that reveal what I'm, what this, what I'm saying here, because I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. Um, first of all, what's the second birth? This is actually something that this, uh, this chapter, John 3, gets referred to a lot because of John 3.15. Um, but there's some things in here that are not very well understood. Uh, John 3.16, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. For God so loved the world. <laughs> that's a very popular one. Um, but let's go into the very first few verses here in John 3. Um, when Jesus answered in verse 3 to Nicodemus, who was a master of Israel, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That Spirit is capitalized, so the Holy Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. If this text is not reading like the text in front of you, that's because you don't have a King James Version. Um, if, you want, if you want God's Word, you have to get the King James Bible, which is the authorized Bible. So what those verses are saying is, yeah, you can, you can be born into this world. Sure, you have, you have your hands, you have your legs, you have your body, right? That, that fleshly body, which is going to die. But whether you have eternal life depends on God's judgment with the second birth, which is a, a spiritual birth. Literally, God having a child with uh, eternal life. That's what the angels are. Angels have eternal life. Those were his first children. And then Adam and Eve, well, Adam, Eve came out of Adam, but God birthed that eternal life at his discretion. This is why Abram's selection of God and his family to follow was, is such a big deal to um, salvation. Let's go to chapter 1, just so that you know that God chooses who's given the second birth. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13. Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there you go. The second birth is not at our discretion. We don't choose. No one choose. No one has ever chosen Christ and then gotten eternal life. That's not how it works. God chooses, God the Father chooses who will be a child, who will be that second, who will have that second birth. And then, because they are given that second birth, they now have that second body, that spiritual body, that hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for truth. And that is what brings them to Christ because they they understand, they can see the kingdom of God. It's kind of like God's sheep hear his voice. That's what that's what this is all referring to. If you don't have the second birth, you can't see the kingdom of God. 
as we read just a little bit ago in John chapter 3. But let's turn to another few verses here that point this out. And these are verses that modern Christianity just doesn't like to, to uh, quote because it can't make sense of them, or rather it doesn't want to make sense of them because it basically uh, destroys their traditions. Romans 8, 7 and 8. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So it's impossible without the second birth to please God. You're not God's child if you don't have the second birth. That's what the Bible's saying. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. One book over from Romans. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 reads, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It could not be any clearer. Without the second birth, there is no compass to understand God's word or the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. Hebrews 11.6 The famous faith chapter. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The caveat to this verse is, from what you just read earlier, what I read with you, if you don't have the second birth, you can't understand the Spirit, you can't know God, you can't be subject to the ways of God, to the law of God, because you're, it's just flesh. If someone is just flesh, and without the second birth, they don't have that capability. So you, someone who is not even born again, they can't produce biblical faith. Only the saints, those who have the second birth, can produce biblical faith. Angels and saints, children of God, who God has selected to give that second birth. Immortality of the soul is at God's discretion because the Father chooses who is given the second birth. John 1, 12 and 13. So this is, this is what's going on here with Abraham's family when God chose Abraham. God narrows this second birth down to only those in Abraham's household. And then, of course, what follows was the um, covenant of, or the, the sign of circumcision and stuff. But yeah, this is a, this is a big, big deal because... God is now making a difference for the first time ever in the word of God. For the first time ever in the world of, and in the history of the world, God, the God of truth, the almighty God, makes a difference in this act in Genesis 12, in Genesis 17. He makes a difference between God's people and the rest of Adam. For the first time ever. So, with that being said, this is why the following verses exist. This is a few.
few selections that are pointing out what we've just covered. Turn to Philippians 3, verse 2. It reads, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Evil workers, uh, beware of the concision. That's another reference to the circumcision. Those who are following the works of the law. But we're under grace in Christ. It doesn't mean the law is done away with. Because the purpose of the law is to point us to Christ and show us the ways of God. There's a spiritual side to the law. And we're supposed to maintain good works. But uh, that, the, the first phrase, though, beware of dogs. What's that referring to? Let's turn to Matthew fifteen twenty six. Matthew fifteen twenty six, But he answered and said, This is the Syrophoenician woman. To the Syrophoenician woman. Uh, verse 26, But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Jesus was talking to a woman who was not of Israel. See, Jesus hadn't yet died and rose again. So therefore, if you're not of Israel and before Christ died and rose again, you are not of God's people. You are not given that second birth. This woman he was talking to did not have that second birth. She might have um, been given it later. but um, And she had faith to, to uh, have her daughter healed. So it's possible that um, what was holding her back was uh, God had not, Jesus had not yet provided that sacrifice for the rest of Adam to be brought in. <clears throat> but he was telling her here that he could only feed God's children. At Exodus 11.7 So that we would know that God's people are different. God sees God's people different than the rest of Adam. At Exodus 11.7 but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Again, could not be clearer. This is clearly talking about Egyptians who are not of Israel being referred to as dogs. And God would mark what was going on between those two. And uh, God clearly made a marked of difference between his people and those who are not his people. Turn to Deuteronomy 23.18. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow, for even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now I won't get into exactly um, what the price of a dog is, but you can see though that there it is. The price of a dog could could be um, a business related thing, um, someone hired to do this or that, because uh, obviously Israel still had um, laws pertaining to how they would handle business relations and whatnot with those who were outside of Israel. Um, this could be referring to some of that, but. Um, Bringing it into the house of God, 
That's a no. That's a no-go. Once again, a difference being made. Turn to Matthew 7, 6. It's amazing how consistent God's word is with the wording. Unless you, unless you step out of the King James Bible with these copyrighted versions because those aren't consistent. Matthew 7, verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Yeah. Why would you give something holy to those who cannot discern spiritual things? Because again, without the second birth, without that, the, without being born of the spirit and of water, there is no understanding of God's laws. There's no way to see God's kingdom. So you have to have that second birth in order to have the Holy Spirit, in order to have that spiritual understanding that it takes to understand God's word. <clears throat> this is why when Israel left Egypt and went into Canaan, God didn't tell Israel to convert Canaan and change them. God wasn't worried about them. God told Israel, you're going to destroy them. You're going to destroy Canaan. You're going to take their land. I've given it to you. And you're not going to take up their idols and their practices. Stay away from that. See, God was only concerned with Israel and what Israel was doing. And just like in Amos 3, 2, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you according to your iniquities. Um, didn't quote that exactly because I'm not turned to it. But that's what, that's, what, that's what we're seeing here. God is concerned about God's people. Now, what we, what we have gathered after uh, Christ's um, crucifixion and resurrection and Acts chapter 10, when Peter was shown the vision of the sheets coming down from heaven three times as a sign of God when he was uh, uh, having that vision, I think at the ninth hour of the day, if, I'm, my, if my memory serves me correctly, God was showing Peter, hey, and Peter was given the keys, you know, the kingdom. Uh, God was telling Peter, look, these people who were unclean, these Gentiles, you know, these Romans, these Greeks or whatnot, Chinese, the, the Ethiopians, the, the Japanese, they are now clean. This is the beauty of God's law. There's a, there's a purpose to everything in God's law. God is remarkably of purpose and um, very, it, it all comes together. God does not make mistakes. So the dietary laws are revealed here to, to, to show us the, the meaning here behind what they mean. <clears throat> They're supposed to teach Israel uh, a lesson. But God showed Peter, this stuff is clean to you. Because Peter thought, oh, I don't, I've never eaten anything unclean. But God said what God, God told Abraham, or pardon, God told Peter, what I have cleansed, that call not common. And just after that vision, some Roman centurions uh, are shown to Peter to be clean. And they're given the Holy Spirit because God had given them the second birth. So the lesson for us now is after Christ's crucifixion and resurrection is that anyone, any person on the face of the earth 
can be given the second birth by God's hand and brought in to the church through faith and baptism into Christ because Jesus Christ is the promised seed. That's why that's why in one of those verses in the New Testament it says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed. But that's how this all works. That's why Israel was, um, um, you know, they, they were bigoted in a way towards these other nations because God does make a difference between God's people and the unsaved. And I say unsaved because no one picks whether they're saved or not. Only God, the Father, chooses who will be his children. And when that decision has been made and they get the second birth, the Bible shows us that also it comes down to our decision. The saved. Do we want to be wicked and follow our own ways and do after our own desires as Satan did? And you know where Satan's going. That's the wickedness. The wicked are those who are saved, who walk after their own ways, who worship self, who do their own thing, who do what's right in their own eyes. And the righteous, those who are saved, the saints, who choose to follow God's ways and do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. So there you go. That's the war. The saved choosing whether they're going to obey God or obey self. Righteousness or sin and wickedness. That's the war. And the, the unsaved, those who, um, those who are not given the second birth, they're not of the house of Abraham. They are not Christ's seed. Therefore, they could not understand the Bible no matter how you put it. They're, they're not going to understand it. They're not made to. They're not supposed to. So stop trying to force, stop trying to force an atheist to follow God's ways, you know, because they can't. They can't understand that. They are natural, carnal. They cannot understand the ways of God. They don't see the kingdom of God. To them, it's foolishness. So stop wasting your time. God is concerned with his people. That's why loving God is loving God's people. And loving God's people is loving God. So there's a lot of things that this leads to, but um, I'm starting to get redundant. Um, but here you go. Here we go. God's people. There's a difference in God's eyes between God's people and those who are not God's people, between God's saints, the saved, and the dogs, the unsaved. Now this topic, I have, I've been through the Bible a lot, the King James Bible a lot, and this topic, despite all the times I read about Abraham and um, Genesis to Revelation, this topic did not come together in its full form until I came across this Bible study that just blew my mind. And uh, this, this particular topic um, is in that Bible study. It's on the sword bearer. That's uh, thesordbearer.org if you want to get online. The, uh, the study material is actually called The Age of Reason, the modern Babylonian captivity. I actually have a hard 
uh, copy right here. Um, it's a great study. I definitely recommend it. The, the saint who's behind it um, does not make any profit off of it, uh, which tells a lot in itself. Um, the only thing you're paying for is for the book to be printed, bound, and shipped to you. But the, the author of the book does not make any profit. He does not want to make any profit. Um, he is a Bible believer, and all the texts, all the scriptural texts, are from the King James uh, Bible. <clears throat> it's very helpful. Definitely helped me. Um, I chanced upon it on accident because I was studying the topic of fornication, which is its own study, and um, I hope to uh, put an episode out on that uh, here in the future. <clears throat> but the topic of fornication is very, very in-depth as well. It's very confusing in the Bible sometimes when you're trying to hop from thing to thing and you got tradition standing in the way just knocking you off course and um, being very stubborn. Tradition does get in the way. <laughs> it's so bad. But uh, this Bible study actually has the topic of fornication in there. And so I, I read what he had to say about fornication and, and then I found out when I was uh, immersing myself in the topic and what he was writing about that um, he sticks to the Bible. He just, he, he pieces this and that together and um, it's not what he's saying about the Bible. He literally, um, the author's named Glenn Smith, he puts verse after verse after verse and shows you line upon line how these verses fit together. <clears throat> it's not his opinion. It's, um, it's what the Bible says. And he sticks to it, and uh, so that, that's what that's what this uh, Bible study really is. It's it's God's word, line after line, precept after precept, one topic after another topic, and then he just builds on that. Um, it's not theology; it's Bible study. So that's how this Bible study stands out and um, really uh, stands apart. I would definitely recommend it. This is coming from. Again, I've, I've been through the Bible probably over uh, 40 or 50 times. Not, not the uh, NASB or the uh, New King James. No, the King James Bible. Um, and this Bible study opened my eyes to a lot of things um, and how I was lost in tradition still, despite all the times I'd been through the Bible. Um, I f uh, was rebuked in a lot of ways in the ways I studied the Bible, in the ways that I handled the Bible. And, uh, you know, I took it on the chin. It's good to good to be shown the way of truth. Um, it's good to be able to hear reproof. And that's what this Bible study provided me. <clears throat> but yeah, I definitely recommend it for those, for anyone who's, like I said, who's read the Bible a lot, it still will help you. Or if you're just now becoming interested in God's word, if you're a brand new Christian with that second birth and you're thirsting for truth and righteousness, it's a great study because, hey, you can start from the very beginning and just not waste your time trying to figure things out outside of God's word. Don't do that. Um, submit yourself to the ways of God and study God's word. Again, it's called the Age of Reason, the Modern Babylonian Captivity. And this study is uh, a product of this, out of this book here, um, I studied this topic for myself after coming across this book and this topic in this book, 
and um, I found it to be consistent with what the Bible says. And so I would be uh, remiss to not mention this study um, in this podcast because it definitely um, was a big help to me. And um, going forward, there will be more and more topics that I cover on this podcast, God willing, that are reflected in the Age of Reason because... Like I said, this Bible study is not a theological discussion of this man. Because theology is man's opinion about God. This is a Bible study, which means what's in this Bible study by Len Smith on thesswordbearer.org. (coughs) Pardon me. It reflects what's in the Bible. So if you study the Bible and you read this study hand in hand, you're going to see that. Um, But yeah. Definitely recommend. Again, it's the swordbearer.org, the Age of Reason. It's um, a nonprofit, and uh, you can you can actually do the study online if you want, or you can buy the book and have it sent to you. But he's got the the entire book and the entire King James Bible online to those who would rather just open up their computer or their smartphone or their tablet and uh, do their study like that. It's completely fine. You can download it to your your computer or your mobile phone or your tablet. Or you can order the hard hardbound copy. It's all up to you. But yeah, I hope everyone's doing well. Um, please pray for the saints. Pray for those in authority. Um, pray for God's will to be done in all things. And pray for healing. Pray for guidance and counsel that God's people would depart from evil and wickedness and take up truth and doctrine and to walk up and down in it in obedience to God and his gospel on the face of this earth. For the time allotted. So praise be to God and love, all love, all grace, all peace, all the best in Christ to those who love God and His Son Jesus Christ in sincerity and truth. Amen.